And when they de are decomposed, the microorganisms take up the additional nitrogen that they need uh, from the soil to carry out the decomposition. And that reduces the amount that's available to the plant for a period of time. And that's something you need to account for uh, in your fertilization plan. And it's a part of, of most fertilizer recommendations models. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Growing Point Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Boychin, the Agronomy Research Extension Specialist with the Alberta Wheat and Alberta Barley Commissions. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Shonin, a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan. I speak with Dr. Shonu about nitrogen losses such as volatilization and leaching. We discuss why and how they occur. And finally, we review the different ways producers can protect themselves from these losses to increase their nitrogen use efficiency. Thanks to Dr. Shonu for sharing his knowledge and thanks to all of you for listening to the Growing Point podcast. Enjoy. Okay, so we are here with Dr. Jeff Shonu, who is a professor of soil fertility uh, and works at the Department of Soil Science at the University of Saskatchewan. How are you doing, Jeff? Great, Jeremy. Thanks. Uh, great to be here today. Can you give us a little bit of introduction of, of who you are and what you do? Sure thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm a professor of uh, soil fertility in the Department of Soil Science at the University of Saskatchewan. I also hold the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture Chair in Soil Nutrient Management. Uh, and I also uh, am involved in farming with my spouse at a farm near Central Butte that I also use to do a lot of research work out on as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, happy to be here. I, I supervise a number of graduate students who uh, do great research work, uh, uh, and uh, I'm happy to to be a part of the uh, agricultural community. Well, it's it's we're we're happy to have you, Jeff. Um, and I know I see your name a lot uh, when I'm when I'm doing my research. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. And um, today we're talking about a, a rel relatively you know, quite important topic for producers, which is nitrogen loss to the environment. And we know when we lose nitrogen to the environment, it's not being used by that crop, which means we're not as efficient with the fertilizer that we're putting down, specifically nitrogen. Um, so could you provide us maybe um, a breakdown of what conditions increase the risk of loss to nitrogen? And, and if you could go through you know, the, the, the main different types and then how they're lost. Sure, Jeremy. So I guess when I think of nitrogen losses uh, from the system, uh, from a soil plant system, I think of three main processes that are involved in the nitrogen cycle, and that is volatilization, which involves loss of nitrogen from the soil in the form of ammonia gas. The other loss mechanism that comes to mind is loss of nitrogen, again in gaseous form, uh, through a process called denitrification. And this involves the uh, uh, nutrient ion nitrate in the soil being converted into the gaseous forms of nitrous oxide and N2 gases, which are uh, evolved, lost off to the atmosphere. And the third loss mechanism that uh, may occur is loss of nitrogen from the soil by leaching. And like denitrification, uh, the leaching process involves nitrate. So nitrate's kind of a little bit of the devil, Jeremy, when it comes to being a, a, a bad one for, for losses. And, and leaching occurs in the nitrate form because nitrate's mobile in the soil. It's not absorbed, so 
it, it moves wherever the water moves. And if water moves out of the soil profile, that nitrate moves along with it and is gone. So yeah, those three processes, volatilization, denitrification, and leaching are very important loss mechanisms uh, for nitrogen. Here in the Canadian prairies, I would say that in general, probably the greatest uh, source of loss is denitrification that occurs in the early spring period during snowmelt when the soil is saturated. It's those saturated conditions that tend to favor this nitrate being converted into nitrous oxide and into gas. And what's happening is the microorganisms are using the oxygen in the nitrate in their respiration, in their activity, uh, when there isn't any oxygen available in the soil. And that produces these, uh, these gases, Jeremy. Um, and, and, you know, uh, some soils, we may also encounter uh, leaching losses if there's a lot of water moving through the profile, and especially if the, the soil is, is sandy. And when it comes to volatilization losses, losses of ammonia from the soil, uh, there we often encounter that, that most often if we're dealing with surface applications of urea without any type of urease inhibitor, uh, that urea is rapidly hydrolyzed or broken down into ammonia on the surface of the soil. And when that happens on the surface, there's nothing to retain the ammonia gas and it's lost to the, lost to the air. Oh, that's perfect. I think that's a, a wonderful breakdown of, of the, the three main sources of loss that, that we see. You know, when I think about urea being the most one of the most prevalent um, nitrogen sources that, that farmers use, how do they think about, how can they think about that use of, of urea when they apply it? Where do those losses happen? Yeah, well, I guess I guess the thing with with, with plain urea, uh, forty six zero zero, is that it undergoes that hydrolysis or breakdown into ammonia gas uh, really quite rapidly. Uh, Greatest rate of, of, of breakdown occurs at high temperature, but it can also occur at lower temperatures as well. And uh, studies have documented that in fact, this, this conversion into, of urea into ammonia can in, indeed take place in, uh, to, a, to a certain degree, even, even in the winter uh, in, in, in soils. Um, but when it comes to, 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 to urea, uh, this hydrolysis uh, taking place on the surface, as I said, uh, produces that ammonia gas. And when it's on the surface, there's nothing really to retain that ammonia. And the way that uh, ammonia is retained in the soil is by reacting with water and other what we call proton donors, soil particles that donate a proton and convert that ammonia gas into the ammonium ion form. And once it's in the ammonium ion form, Jeremy, it's retained in the soil, it's, it's held there. It's absorbed onto the soil particles and plant roots can take up nitrogen in the ammonium form. So if we put that urea down into the soil in a band, making sure that that band is with the urea in it is covered up with soil. Now that ammonia gas that's produced upon hydrolysis has a chance to react with the water and the proton donors and get converted into ammonium before the ammonia gas escapes to the surface. And the same thing happens with anhydrous ammonium. Uh, anhydrous ammonia is NH3 gas. And in order to get good use efficiency out of anhydrous ammonia, you wanna make sure that you retain that ammonia in the soil put it below the surface, cover it up with soil, seal it in, so it has a chance to react with the water and the proton donors and be converted to ammonium ions. So if you're not getting that injection channel sealed when you're applying anhydrous ammonia, you're gonna lose lots of ammonia through volatilization. Similarly with urea, we wanna get those granules 
into the soil, covered up with soil, so that they have a chance to uh, to have that uh, the ammonia gas that's produced upon hydrolysis to be converted into uh, ammonium ammonium ions. The thing that one of the things that you can do uh, that can help uh, reduce losses of uh, of ammonia from urea, if you're surface applying or shallow banding even, uh, is to add a urease inhibitor compound to that urea. And the urease inhibitor compound, like a, a, a compound like NBPT, and that's sold under a number of different product names, that urease inhibitor will block that conversion of urea into ammonium, into ammonia gas for a period of time, two weeks, three weeks. And that gives an opportunity for a rain to come along, Jeremy, and move that urea from the surface deeper into the soil, where once that hydrolysis occurs, that ammonia produced is gonna have an opportunity now to react with the water and the other proton donors. Well, that, I, I think, you know, very useful tools for, for mitigating volatilization. And then, you know, the other two major ones, leaching, um, denitrification, where do those happen in that process and what can we do to mitigate? Right, so, so leaching and denitrification, as I said, are, are associated with having nitrogen in the nitrate form, hanging around in the soil. And roots take up nitrate. Uh, nitrate can move long distances with water to where, to where the roots are. But when it comes to leaching, if you've got excess water moving through the soil profile, it'll carry that nitrate down, down deep with it, perhaps below the rooting zone. And in the case of denitrification, that, that, that process uh, that occurs under saturated soil conditions will convert that, that nitrate into nitrous oxide and into gas that'll be, be lost to the air. And really both of those processes, Jeremy, uh, uh, leaching and denitrification are associated with water and really excess water that's moving through the profile in the case of leaching or in the case of denitrification that, that that water in the soil is causing some of those pores instead of being filled with air to be filled with water and when the pores are filled with water then the microorganisms convert that nitrate into the nitrous oxide into the N2 gas and when you get gaseous products like, 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 like N2O, N2O formed in the soil in the soil pores uh, they make their way up to the surface and are lost to the to the atmosphere so so really what we would want to, to to try to do is is try to avoid scenarios where we have a lot of nitrate hanging around in the soil uh, especially when it's really wet and uh, if we're fall applying fertilizer for example if we apply that fertilizer really early in the fall when the soils are warm that fertilizer ammonium that's produced from the urea or from anhydrous ammonia or that you're adding as ammonium sulfate, if you apply really early in the fall, that ammonium is gonna get converted into nitrate by microorganisms in the soil. And that's a process we call nitrification. And when we get this nitrification occurring and this nitrate produced very early on in the fall, because the soil is warm, now we got that nitrate hanging around in the late fall, in the early spring, where it's really susceptible to losses by denitrification or leaching. So we want to put our fertilizer on nitrogen in the fall when the soil has cooled so that that stops that conversion of ammonium to nitrate. The fertilizer is still there in the ammonium form in the spring, and it's not nearly as susceptible to loss as it would be in the, in, in the nitrate form. So time 
an important consideration um, uh, and, and to, to avoid having a lot of nitrate hanging around, uh, hanging around in the soil. Um, those losses by denitrification, leaching tend to be worse under, under wet conditions. You know, another strategy that can be used is to use what's called a nitrification inhibitor. And that nitrification inhibitor will block the conversion of ammonium to nitrate in the soil for a period of time, keeping that nitrogen in the ammonium form, which is not nearly as susceptible to loss as it is in the nitrate form. So an earlier fall application in particular may benefit from having a nitrification inhibitor that's gonna keep that nitrogen in the ammonium form into freeze up, even though uh, the, you, you know that when you're applying it, the soils are actually warm. So, so strategies like, again, an enhanced efficiency additive, a nitrification inhibitor in this case, uh, uh, the, the compounds like uh, nitropyrin, uh, DCD, uh, those types of compounds, various products contain those inhibitors that, that can be used as additives, can also be beneficial in uh, protecting against that, that, that loss of, of nitrate, either from denitrification or uh, from, uh, from leaching, especially if that nitrogen is applied well in advance of crop demand. Jeff, that's a ton of information. <laughs> uh, hopefully our listeners have a pen and paper handy. Uh, but I think, you know, all very important points on how to mitigate these losses. And I can't help but think, um, you know, for our nutrient stewardship when it comes to these concepts and understanding how we mitigate some of these losses and maximize the use of the fertilizer. Do you, do you feel like for our maybe a good place for producers to go and find more information? Absolutely. A 4R is at the basis. Uh, it's, it's the foundation for maximizing the recovery of that nutrient in your crop where you want it. That's where it's going to produce the yield and the profit and minimize the losses to the, to the environment. That's where you don't want that nutrient to go. And so uh, 4R, the right rate, the right time, the right place, the right source or form, all examples I think I've given of it, given in my in my uh, in our discussions here today, uh, Jeremy, uh, are, are all strategies that, that that can be employed to to minimize those losses of nitrogen, maximize the crop recovery, and uh, the return on the fertilizer dollars that, uh, that 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 folks are investing in their crops. Wonderful. I. Is there anything else you want to share before we finish off today? Uh, I think you make a very good, a very important point about about uh, you know four Rs and, and 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 reducing losses. You know when we think about the the nitrogen cycle in a in a soil a plant system like a, a canola crop out there in the field, Jeremy. Of course, we have these these loss mechanisms in which we lose nitrogen entirely from the system, but we also have ways that we bring nitrogen into the system, and that's very important to, for fertility. And of course. Uh, adding fertilizer nitrogen is, is, is maybe the, the first one that comes to mind. Uh, we also have legume crops that can carry out biological nitrogen fixation and add significant amounts of nitrogen, supply as much as three quarters or more of the nitrogen that they need from the air through the bacteria uh, living in the nodules on their roots. Uh, we also have processes within the nitrogen cycle in the soil. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we can have temporary removals of available nitrogen through the activity of microorganisms we call immobilization, where they use the nitrogen in the soil, uh, tie it up in their bodies, uh, but eventually that comes back out again uh, and becomes made available for, for use uh, uh, down the road. But, you know, we may see instances as well, a temporary loss or tie up of available nitrogen when crop residues of low nitrogen content like wheat chaff are decomposed. 
And when they de are decomposed, the microorganisms take up the additional nitrogen that they need uh, from the soil to carry out the decomposition. And that reduces the amount that's available to the plant for a period of time. And that's something you need to account for uh, in your fertilization plan. And it's a part of, of most fertilizer recommendations models, but it's not lost forever. Uh, eventually, uh, those microorganisms in the soil will be consumed, decomposed by other microorganisms, and you get that available nitrogen back out again. So that's an example of a temporary tie-up of, of, of nitrogen, but it's not lost from the system. Relatively complex system we're working with and, and trying to mitigate losses, maximize use, um, and, and make the most out of what we're doing. Um, so I, I, I appreciate these comments, Jeff. Uh, very informative. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Great. No, that's, uh, that's great. And I hope that uh, everybody out there has a, has a great spring, safe season and a successful farming year. Perfect. Uh, is there any way uh, the, anyone could, could reach out and ask you questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, they can, they can, I have my email. Uh, it's probably the best way to get me during the spring, busy spring season. Uh, we're, uh, we're going head on into uh, uh, the research season here and, and uh, the field season. So my email address uh, is probably the best, uh, jeff.shano at usask.ca. Perfect. Thanks so much. Hey, good luck seeding and good luck with this year. Great. You bet, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to the Growing Point Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a second to rate, review, and share this podcast with all of your friends. This helps us grow and get our message out. You can also sign up for the Growing Point newsletter by going to Alberta Wheat or albertabarley.com and sign up for our mailing list. This will help you stay up to date on all the agronomic information we share through articles, interviews, and the newsletter. See you next time.